Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the show. And welcome to yet another episode of Unmuted, season two, episode six, you guys. We're, uh, we're churning those episodes away. Churning, churning them away? Churning them down? Churn down for what? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> how's it going, you guys? Um, patient, what's going on? For Derpy Paws made it. She's in the house. Scrappy83. Unmuted. Unmuted. How's it going? Kamikoze, good afternoon. Ace is in the house. What's going on, brother? Good to see you here, man. Um, Belfagor is in the, his house. Roxanne is over here. Prodigal Space, nice and early. How are you guys doing, man? How is everybody doing? Um, we're, uh, we're doing another podcast. Well, we, podcasts are on Wednesdays, as you guys know, but we had a, a surprise podcast on Monday uh, for with, the, with Peter Tagren. Now that I know, I got it, I got it from him. We had a surprise uh, podcast on on Monday, so uh, so it's a, a double podcast week kind of kind of thing. Um, Hash Bukisha, what's going on? Is that how you say? It? Whoop whoop! What's going on? Welcome to the show. Uh, Zvenga Boys is in the house. Beg bite. <laughs> I'm stoked you guys are here. We have an awesome episode for you today. Thank you for the part. Lights Kamikoze. Um, I got uh, I got my friend uh, Tristan French from Uglietti on the show. He uh, he's someone that I've uh, that I've known for fucking years uh an amazing musician one of uh, one of my favorite vocalists uh that that i've heard and um dudes uh dude, dude we haven't had a sit down we, we're online friends isn't that fucking weird um he's uh, he's a big part of the Middle eastern uh metal scene in general but um we're we're gonna dive into all of that wait why didn't that alert go off scrappy 83 subscribed at tier one for eight months scrappy you subscribed as long as we've been on twitch Holy shit! Thank you, Scrappy eighty three. Wait, let me check why that alert didn't uh, didn't make a didn't make a sound. Did it make a sound for you guys? All right, I fixed it. I think I don't know. Where's the sexy wink? You can't have a sexy wink. Oh, Rexter redeemed the sexy wink. Maybe we'll do it later. We'll do it within the podcast. We'll do it in the podcast. Let's just hit the intro. Let's get our boy Tristan in here. Hit the intro. <laughs> Tristan, welcome to the show, my dude. Hey, man, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, there you go, Kamikaze with a clap. <laughs> You're far too kind. How's it going, man? How's, uh, how's everything been? Yeah, it's uh, going as good as it can be. I mean, Lord knows what's happening in the UK right now. Uh, currently, they're planning to open up on July 19th. Whether that will actually happen, I can't tell you. But uh, we're doing what we can. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's be been a compli though. complicated relationship with the, uh, the the dynamics of lockdown and opening up over there, right? <laughs> oh, it's uh, up and down like a yo-yo, dude. It's just it's going to be a fast and furious uh, uh, franchise be at this point. <laughs> uh, before before we actually get into um, into the lockdown and the shows and stuff like that. I wanted to talk a little bit about or introduce everyone uh, through through talking a little bit about how you and I met cuz uh, cuz this is the first this is the first like conversation we have technically I think. Yeah, that wasn't over like uh, some kind of messaging app or something. Yeah. Uh, cuz we we spoke quite a bit um, in the early kind of days cuz I remember you were in a band called Who Will Guard the Guardians. Oh yeah. Um, horrible which 
which my friend Karim turned me on to, and uh, he sort of sent me your split that you did with Billy Bob's blood thingy. Um, yeah, yeah. If you, I, I, if you guys, if you guys want to hear bad names, uh, the two <laughs> bands that shared a split EP were Who Will Guard the Guardians with Billy Bob's Blood Drenched Brew. Jesus, that's a that's a bunch of fucking bad names. <laughs> I mean, I mean, those names immediately just make me think of the uh, sort of Arabian metal scene when we were growing up, um, which is how we met, uh, because there were bands with names like Shotgun Enema and oh yeah. Uh, black 13 angels and that kind of thing and it was just like you know they, they were great bands but i was like these were clearly names that we thought of when we were very very young yeah yeah i always i always like to ask um what the the earliest band name was that you uh, that the guest came, comes up with because um because they're either really really horrible or like the best thing in the world, but they just couldn't couldn't cut it. They couldn't make it with that band name. It's it's always interesting. Um, but let's uh, let's tell a little bit uh, the tribe a little bit about you. We um, we always say I gave you a botched intro before the intro <laughs> played. Uh, so in your own words, uh, could you uh, introduce yourself to the tribe? Uh, hey everyone, my name's Tristan. I am Kuwaiti English, uh, and I am the singer for the band Ugly Yeti. Uh, born and raised in Kuwait, lived there 19 years, moved here in 2011, here being the UK, and here's where I've been since. And that's kind of when uh, when you and I started uh, started having conversations is when you were in Kuwait. I was in that uh, horrible named band, and <laughs> uh, and so you were a huge part. From what I remember, you were very active in the Middle Eastern metal scene um when when we were around like there were select few people where the middle eastern metal scene was it, it everyone was just everyone just knew everyone like there were there were a couple there were there were groups of people from the middle east in different countries that would do like tape swaps or like even if it was mp3 swaps like i'll send you my mp3s you send me yours let's uh, learn from each other let's spread the word you're saying Kareem from Voice of the Soul uh, showed you uh, showed you the the uh, split EP with the, with Who Will Guard the Guardians. Were you always into uh, into the scene? How was it growing up in, in Kuwait as a anything to do with alternative music? And that is a huge question. Um, I'm gonna have to shoot a bit far back than when I got handed that split. Um, but the first time I remember getting into kind of heavier music was through the album Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Um, yeah. As many people of our generation did, I think. That that album was just seminal for a lot of people in our age group, and it's a classic to this day. Um, that was the first album that not only exposed me to heavy music, but made me first consider singing um, when I was like eight years old, because I wanted to sound like Chester. Um, but yeah, it started with Linkin Park, then moved on to Metallica with the Black Album. Again, seminal, pretty, uh, pretty gateway stuff. And that opened the floodgates to things like Korn and Slipknot and uh, who are the other big ones? System of a Down uh, and that kind of thing, which then led to heavier stuff like Children of Bodom and Strapping Young Lad. Uh, and as I got more into the heavier side of metal, I started to notice uh, an emerging kind of set of bands when I was around 14, 15, maybe 16. I can't remember. It all blurs into one at this point. Um, 
they were all emerging around this one particular time and this one particular event, which was a battle of the bands in, I want to say 2007 or 2008, mm -hmm. one of the two. And this whole host of local metal bands or heavier bands just turned up to battle it out, win a bit of prize money. And it was mainly covers. There were a few uh, bits and pieces of originals, but mostly covers acts, but they packed out this whole like school courtyard, essentially playing rock music. And I was, that was the first time I noticed there is heavy metal here. There is music here around me. I should probably explore more of the people that are in bands. Um, and you mentioned Karim. Karim was one of my first friends in a um, unestablished band in Kuwait, pretty much. So I spent a lot of time with Voice of the Soul, um, even in their recording sessions, which looking back, I really shouldn't have been in. Uh, I was just in the way. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was in the recording set, their recording sessions when they were recording here in Dubai. <laughs> I should not have been in there because I was just distracting them the whole time. Oh man, that, that's essentially what I was doing in Kuwait. I was just there as vague comic relief or for, uh, you know, the band to kind of pr provide some light entertainment while they tracked things again and again and again. Um, but they were the first kind of band that I grew close to and the... ah, oh, thanks for that. Uh, the, um, the first band that sort of exposed me to the recording side of music. Um, because I was at those recording sessions, I got to see how music was made from point, you know, point A right to the end. Um, and the person they recorded with, Sarge, uh, named such because he was like a drill sergeant, had them just go at the parts again and again and again and again until they locked it down just right. And uh, something from that, I think, instilled this kind of feeling of inspiration almost, I guess, in me at a super young age to try a bit for myself and see what, what what we could do yeah it's it's amazing how um i don't know man because growing up in the middle east yo rexter and craggers you guys are fucking crazy thank you so much for the biddies you guys that uh, that's amazing thank you very generous i love you guys um growing up in the middle east and um and having that like uh inspiration come from uh come from people that, that are from the scene Yo, <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> Prodigal with the fire, uh, Rexter put it out with the water, Craggers with ten more biddies. You guys are, you guys are beautiful. Um, having having that come, uh, the inspiration come from in the scene itself is is absolutely mind blowing. Cause uh, cause that was Nerf Cell for me, seeing Nerf Cell uh, play the uh, 2005 Dubai Desert Rock Festival, opening for Sepultura and uh, Testament and Machine Head. I was like. <gasps> People I know can do that. <laughs> you can and, do that. Uh, Nerve Cellar cracking band as well. I didn't get to see them till 2009, but hot damn, what a band. Yeah, absolutely. Scrappy, uh, sorry to cut you off. Scrappy with 25 biddies, Rexer and Craggers with 10 more biddies each. Thank you guys. Thank you. I love you long time. Look at you crashing the stream. I love you long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, 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 did you not, um, before Voice of the Soul and stuff, were were there friends around you that are that were huge into uh, into the scene? What, what what was it like uh, over in, uh, in in Kuwait at that time? Um, there were one or two friends who were starting to get into bands, but I never went and saw them play live. But 
they were the same friends who I would kind of swap music with and they'd give me um, music recommendations while I was in class with them and that kind of thing. Um, but the, my first time kind of, yeah, my, my very first experience with uh, bands of any sort was with those, was through those sessions with Voice of the Soul, pretty much. Uh, before that, I'd, I'd been in a really bad covers band when I was about 12 years old. Uh, we covered Linkin Park for a school assembly once, and then I don't think I ever played with them again. Um, <laughs> oh no, wait, I did, I did. We managed to get on Kuwait national television, a channel called Al Rai. Keep in mind, we were all like 12, and um, yeah, we were on this weird kids show. None of us knew why we were there. We just knew we were on TV. Um, and they ended up showing it on like some special day in Kuwait, and I never saw the footage of it ever so it's out there somewhere but we need to find that footage we tribe you we need to find that fucking footage that's that's please don't <laughs> woo! woo who did the woo that was roxanne with the woo um woo! trish thank you for hitting the follow welcome welcome to the tribe um rexter craggers no! you guys you guys are killing she, it with the she bits. wasn't ready prodigal space with the no i'm never ready <laughs> um by the way uh Tr tristan here is uh is a part of the tribe he's been in the chat he's on the discord so all of these sounds he uh he's familiar with to some degree he's he's he knows he knows so we, oh, uh, know. we <laughs> cheesy mcdab trying to get the slayer scream activated <laughs> You're just giving them carte blanche to hit me with sounds now. I love it. <laughs> None of us are ever ready. We got you, prodigal, my dude. Um, but yeah, th this is. Did, did you? Uh, how, how did you get into like the Lincoln Park uh, and and getting into the, a little bit of the heavier, heavier stuff, the corn, the new metal stuff, and then um, you know the uh, the you said uh, Children of Bodems and stuff. When did I'm listening to music switch to? I want to fucking make that music. Um, probably somewhere in my mid to late teens was um, was also a time when I was doing a lot of singing and uh, then sort of realized that, hang on a minute, I don't just have to do this formal type of singing. I can do this as well. Um, and so I put together just a, a two-piece band between me and my friend Adam called Kill the King. Uh, which recorded one song and it no longer exists and I will be tracking down anybody who still has a copy. Um, but yeah, we put one song together and um, yeah, it, it was it was pretty terrible and it took me a while to go near any band stuff myself after that. Um, but I was, I was glad that I gave it a shot in the end, starting my own thing uh, in amongst the ever-growing scene that was emerging around us, not just in Kuwait, but in Dubai because we weren't just getting metal acts coming up through um, through the scene. There were like blues bands and rock bands and jazz bands and that kind of thing coming through as well. Uh, so I kind of felt, you know, well, there's all these great bands doing these awesome things. Where could I possibly fit in amongst this um, brilliance, I guess? There was, there was, dude, the, the scene back then, especially in the Gulf, I, like if you say Middle East, uh, specifically, the, like in general, it's, it's pretty broad. Cause then you have like the fucking yeah. heavy hitters of Lebanon and, and the, the crazy ones that came out of Egypt and stuff like that. But the Gulf at that time, something happened. I don't know. Um, 
a hash. I don't know if it was, it, it might have been Sarge's uh, is doing as well, because I know a lot of fucking albums that came out of that guy's studio. And well, pretty uh, much everything. Exactly. <laughs> I've never met him. I've, we've never had a conversation, but I've heard that name so often that it, that it's actually like, it's, it's part of the, the Middle Eastern metal history, right? It's like, um, even early benevolent, I believe was done there. Everything was, was kind of done in his studio. And, um, it's it takes something like that like i remember in in jordan it was having uh this website called jorzine where uh, or jorzine uh where they just interviewed and reviewed local bands as simple as that like then bands became accountable and they're like oh shit we need to step up our game because someone actually gives a fuck now um it, it kind of it kind of had that vibe back then where everyone was just figuring out like oh shit we can actually do this it was amazing yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, that studio in particular, again, like you say, pretty much every band in Kuwait came out of that, um, came out of that studio. Uh, the amount of different styles that went in and out of that one building uh, pretty much formed the basis of the scene. There weren't that many people who were doing sort of recording and audio production for that kind of music at the time. Um, they started to emerge a bit further down the line, but at that point, he was the, or his studio, I should say, was the epicenter um, of the Kuwaiti scene, at least. Um, and I love the, I love that you have heard that name, um, or the name of his studio, at least as well. Yeah. Uh, not just through our mutual friends like Hadi and Kareem, but also just through the lore of yeah, the exactly. scene. Exactly. You know, it's there's amazing. a, there's a legend to to it almost. You know. I've been I've been oddly obsessed with uh, with the local scene, like any a local scene, like the the idea of a group of people, a collective of people that get together and um, and support something. Since since I was a kid, and that's why I, I used to have you know a Camelhead podcast in two thousand five before even podcasts were in it i didn't even i uploaded it on myspace <laughs> like that's how oh, how fucked up it was um uh you, have you seen that we did this thing where we interviewed bands from around dubai i remember that <laughs> yeah yeah we did we did it with uh, with sari and ahmed sharif and all those guys and uh, I've, I've just been obsessed with like i i had this idea of like if i'm not on stage i want to be the guy that's off stage kind of supporting uh, the bands and checking them out and giving them reviews giving them a platform if a band wants a, a video music video a, a video edit uh i know a little bit about that i did at the time before it was my actual job i'll fucking do it i'll do it for free i'll do all that stuff and i felt like the gulf that that like middle eastern um scene was a collection of people that are like we got each other's backs and that was kind of how it started yeah absolutely um like even you know, things could be exchanged um, in as quick a moment as meeting someone in the middle of a record store or something. Yeah. That's how I ended up finding out about Dubai-based bands, is when I met two metalheads um, in the Virgin at Mall of the Emirates in the metal section. Um, two wonderful guys that I'm still friends with to this day, who recommended that I check out Coat of Arms. Um, they sent me um, Open the Dams, I think it was called. <laughs> The one, one of the first ones that they... video i <laughs> love that video we played it on the show when he was on and he was like please stop please stop. It, it's great because my buddy luke is in it playing bass <laughs> yeah yeah i love that i, I played i played the show with luke he was on bass um for desert experiment we we did a couple of songs together that's amazing <laughs> 
yeah, I he was the guy I met in the middle of <laughs> this in the middle of the metal section in a in a CD shop. Like, what are the chances? I, I just love how connected the scene is, just from back then. You know, because yeah. we all still. We may drift apart, but we still managed to find our way to come sort of back together and congregate on the same place. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I don't really know what else to say. It was a great time to be a metalhead in the Middle East and a great time to be a rock fan in general, because it wasn't just bands like Voice of the Soul and um, the old metalcore band Black 13 Angels, which I think featured Abbas on vocals, who is now the singer of Wazin, I think they're called? Yes. Uh, yep, yeah, that's Abbas. Uh, he was in a band, a heavy band. Uh, you had more rocky bands emerging, like the blues rock band Jelly Shot, who were one of my personal favorites. I think I went to pretty much every one of their shows. Uh, because their music was a bit less heavy, they could um, kind of get away with playing a few more shows. Yeah. Um, and their um the, the venues were always very welcoming to that kind of music um but yeah they played amazing original blues rock tunes uh their guitar player hashim is a good friend of mine uh and he was just ripping leads and i remember him being kind of the scenes one of the scenes focal point for guitar because it was him and then there was hardy who was pretty much the guitar god of the scene as far as our group were concerned and then you had karim shahayib who was kind of almost the young shredder alexi leho kind of guy yeah um, definitely it, it, it was great man what what more can i say <laughs> yeah uh ace to answer your question yes wasn't uh, it's the same band with hamandi um and um and uh yeah it's, it's the same band and uh, i i uh, another band i think you should check out ace is uh, wetad uh local uh, to dubai two uh jordanian guys um heavy ass uh metal with with arabic lyrics i think you'd dig that very very cool stuff um, that sounds wonderful <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh, it's it's amazing how far the scenes come um but uh, but let's talk about you in the scene what was what was uh what was your your first kind of uh outside uh, after the first horrible band that you don't want to see the the, <laughs> the 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 single from um what was what was your uh, your take in the scene and how how did you start like um, developing the music musician side of of your uh, your take in there. Um, well, it's a bit it's a bit of a weird one, really, because in my last couple of years in Kuwait, I got really into musical theater and that kind of thing, and I still love musicals to this day. Uh, but that was kind of my focus at the time. But I still very much loved rock, metal, the local scene. So my goal was to say, okay, if I can't quite form a band or get my own thing off the ground it was like you said i'm going to support as hard as i can and go to as many of the shows that are happening as i can um within within reason uh which is easier said than done because a lot of shows even shows that were felt like they were running and were happening were either cancelled day of or could be cancelled beforehand uh so yeah, it was a case of just trying to support through shows and uh, just kind of make as much noise on the internet about our local bands as I could. Uh, I mean, you can ask Hashim because I think he's in the chat, but um, I was sharing Jelly Shot videos all over Facebook and MySpace and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and I guess just having friends who were active in the scene kept me active as well, you know, because it wasn't just about our 
sort of bands or various projects that people were working on, but that was how we exchanged music. Music? That was music. how we exchanged music! <laughs> <laughs> that funky music! Yeah. Nah, they, um, that was how we exchanged music and how we found newer bands that we liked. Um, so it was a very important dynamic, not just for the original music that was coming out of the country at the time, but if it weren't for my friends in bands, I wouldn't know half the stuff I do now. Um, using Hashim from Jelly Shot as, as an example again, uh, I would be nowhere near as into the music of Devin Townsend and Strapping Young Lad that I am today if it wouldn't if it weren't for him, because <laughs> he pretty much turned me on to Devin's entire back catalog and said, "Get through this. I'm sure you're gonna love it." And yeah. when you do, you will become obsessed. And uh, <laughs> he wasn't wrong. <laughs> I believe we even had a, uh, a one of the the um, streams where we did link dumps and stuff. And you, yours was was Devin uh, right away. And we even uh, ha had a conversation, you and I, about why someone would post live mobile footage of <laughs> recording of of the Devin shows. Right? That was, was that it. That was that was one of the streams. Right. One of them. I uh, I think I linked up the song Bastard, uh, yeah. which uh, which my singing teacher has me working on at the minute, and it is a it's a, it's a bastard of a song. <laughs> um, but I've been on a real Devin kick at the minute. Um, I've actually recorded a Devin Townsend cover with Hashim, uh, which we'll be releasing two weeks from today on the twenty first of July. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Let's um. Let's yeah. let's lead up to that because I I want to talk about yeah, the yeah. covers. I want to talk about the uh, when when the um, the lockdowns hit. You did uh, you did like chorus Sundays. It was it was fucking amazing. I want to talk about all that. But um, how how when how old were you when you moved uh, to the UK? Like uh, spent most of your life in the scene, building up relationships. You're uh, you know going to school, doing all the all that stuff, um, and moving at a very crucial time. How how old were you and uh, and how did that go? I had just turned 19 when I moved to the UK. Um, and it went a lot smoother than expected. I mean, of course, part of me still missed a lot of Kuwait. I got homesick quite badly. Uh, but I was very much enjoying my time in London. And one of the first things that I did when I moved here was book tickets to as many shows as I could, because I felt like I had to make up for lost time. <laughs> You know. For those that uh, just just in case for those uh, for those that might not know, uh, we don't get a lot of shows in the Middle East. Uh, Dubai does uh, more more than Kuwait, uh, at least in terms of the international shows and stuff. But uh, but Kuwait didn't have uh, have that many shows, did it? Nah, not um, <laughs> not outside local bands. Dubai was actually where we had to go if we wanted to go and see any international artists. Um, so things like Dubai Desert Rock and um, the Metallica concert and all that kind of thing were a great lifeline to not just people in Kuwait, but people all over the Gulf um, yeah. as somewhere that could play host to that. Uh, but having, you know, been moved to the UK with my only international artist kind of gig experience be Dubai Desert Rock 2009. Uh, immediately like even before i'd properly moved i was booking tickets to gigs like i remember trivium announced their defenders of the faith three tour uh which was sponsored by metal hammer i think and knowing i was going to be there i was like well i've not even officially moved yet but we're booking tickets now because i am <laughs> definitely gonna want to go um and yeah and then when i arrived i saw loads of different flyers for 
various gigs that were happening and were just was just like yep you 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 go to as many as i possibly can and just really experience what i've been seeing through youtube and videos and all that kind of thing how different was it uh, at, at the very beginning um in terms of the uh like from a from a cultural perspective the the metal culture over there because i haven't uh, lived anywhere else outside of the middle east but i'm just assuming that we have this like smaller tighter knit community where everyone knows everyone versus like moving to the uk right away it might be uh, might be a little overwhelming at first it was a, a little bit but i was lucky in that i'd made friends with local metalheads uh in my uh in my stepdad's brother's hometown which is where we currently live mm -hmm. um and they were always quite close to london so i pretty much always had people to go to gigs with so i was really lucky in that regard um and that's how you get to meet people in the scene is you know people introduce you to more people and then all of a sudden you know you're walking around at a gig saying hello to pretty much anyone that walks by because you know you've been introduced to so many people at that point uh but uh, yeah i was extremely fortunate to be in that position uh because integrating into an a metal scene as dense as the UK's was a little intimidating, even with that. Um, I, I really don't know what to say beyond. There was something about, you know, this lauded UK heavy metal culture that really made it feel, it made it feel like something special in, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I really don't know how to, how to describe it. It's, you know, it was this legendary thing that you were now a part of. And it was a case of, all right, well, what do I do now? I guess go to shows with my friends and that's how things, how things built. I want to ask the chat, how's it, how's the scene where you guys are? Is there, uh, is, is there a tight knit community vibe to it or, uh, or is it a little more, you know, uh, grander? Is it, is it a grander scene and, and you guys have little pods within that? Cause, uh, cause I'm always curious about that. Cause you can name any band in this, in this region and i probably know someone from that band like that's how small the scene is uh let alone the fans and, and the people that just listen to the music but uh, i'm curious uh, how what it's like where you guys are um but um having have, having moved there started integrating the scene going to the shows how does uh, how does one even start coming up uh, to musicians and, and making friends when it comes to being in bands together and stuff that's a that was a different matter entirely uh i was lucky enough to well being in bands uh, i was lucky enough to meet the members of ugly yeti while we were at university together uh because our university we were lucky enough to have a wonderful sort of live music society where loads of different bands started forming um and i've stayed together post graduating uh but yeah that was where i first saw ugly yeti they had a different singer at the time uh and yeah i just remember thinking they were great and that they sounded like alice in chains and thinking they were dope uh so yeah it just became a case of chatting to them finding you know similar interests i suppose in terms of music and just kind of bonding over that and playing together because we would often sort of do open mics together and things like that uh but yeah, I mean, that was what my experience was like. I don't know if that's universal for everyone in the UK. A lot of times it's just answering an ad on social media or, 
uh, people sharing, hey, someone's looking for a drummer who's interested kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting thing to be a fan of a band first and then join them a few years down the line. Yeah, I love I love stories like that. It's always amazing because I feel like fans are more critical of bands. Like when you see a band live, you're like, ah, you know, if I was there, I would do this and I would do that. <laughs> and then when you join them, you're like, hey, I can fucking I can do that thing I wanted. It's uh, it's kind of cool. I, I really like that aspect. Um, Wicked Cat says, I'm in Phil Philadelphia. We have everything Woo! at our fingertips. Cragger uh, says, I'm the only metalhead music fan I know in my village. <laughs> Damn, Craggers. You're uh, you're you're rocking for uh, for a bunch of people though. You're you're like uh, you might be the only one there, but with uh, the metal spirit of of a hundred. Uh, Quate is tight net and clicky clicky uh, to a fault. Um, damn, I didn't know that about about the Quate scene. But I mean that kind of exists everywhere. Even even in, in Dubai, it kind of has that that uh, weirdness, that weird vibe, like. When people play shows, you don't go to this promoter's. You don't go to this promoter's show. You go to the other promoter's show. <laughs> it's like West Side Story. Exactly. R and R, thank you for coming by, my friend. Good to see you here. I am here now, properly. Four derpy pauses in the house, you guys. We uh, we are all safe. We are all safe from the dangers of the internet because she's here. Um, so yeah, you you met these guys in um, in college and. Started started hanging out with him, tried to figure out all the stuff. Were you like, was it a plan to to be a vocalist for a band? Like, where where were you seeing yourself uh, musically, at least when when you first moved there? Um, I kind of when I first moved to the UK, I wanted to take a little bit of a break from singing. I didn't sing a whole lot in my first year here, uh, just because it took up so much of my time uh, in one aspect in Kuwait, where I said, you know what, I want to give an, a few other things a try first before I slip back into it. Uh, but then after a year, I just, I couldn't avoid it. And it just wrote me right back in and it stayed since. Uh, when it came to sort of thinking about starting bands, I don't think I ever, we, we never started anything long term, but I always wanted to do something at least fun, you know, fairly jovial. Mm -hmm. uh, and that probably peaked in 2015 <laughs> when uh, me and a few friends put together a fried chicken themed pop punk cover band uh, where we played a bunch of different weird covers and Wait, re repeat that again. Sorry, a, fr a fried chicken what was it? themed pop punk cover band. Okay, that's the first <laughs> time I've heard that. <laughs> we were called Five Piece Bargain Bucket. <laughs> Brilliant. Speaking Which of uh, Billy Bob's Blood Drench Brew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The terrible names didn't stop when we were 14. I'm, I'm carrying that on. <laughs> um, but but yeah, we, 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 we did it to take the mick. And, you know, as part of our kind of gimmick as a band, we gave out chicken nuggets to the audience. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, a way to bribe because we, we were in a battle of the bands. It was a way to bribe wow. the crowd. <laughs> It's like if we can't if we can't win by being good, we will win by feeding the crowd. Uh, <laughs> well, something you can't even do now. Can you imagine going yeah. on stage and handing out chicken nuggets to the crowd? You can't do that now, dude. Like, I think of that and then think of things like, uh, like what Children of Bodom were doing in two thousand and six. There were there were spots of their set where they would sort of put a bunch of different like 
barbecue and kebabs and vegetables on top of a like a spear and roast it over their pyrotechnics and eat it on stage and i'm just yeah. like and then they throw it into the crowd and i'm just like you'd never do that now that's that's gross yeah <laughs> like, there's a there's a photo of me and and someone from from the kuwait scene uh rashid face face to face with my mic in the middle screaming into each other's faces like mouth open you could see the spittle like it was a perfect photo and as soon as the lockdown hit uh, it reminded me that that was a year ago and i was like ah shit you can't do that you can't do that anymore (laughs) can't can't have um you know people sing into your microphone anymore that's not happening Nah, like i I was thinking about that the other day actually and um because when ugly yeti play shows now i wipe down the mics with anti-back wipes because when you're the third or fourth band on a on a bill you do not want to be inhaling all that spit and sweat yeah. and ugh, it's horrible so yeah even back then i was just wiping stuff down whereas now i think i'm just gonna have to take my own mic because i do not <laughs> trust whatever's going on you know not to say i don't trust venues i trust them to look after stuff i just you know it's rather safe than sorry kind of deal yeah so what happened uh, what happened to the uh the fried chicken themed band who, um, oh. by the way, Ace wants to know where he can check it out. Oh, the fried chicken theme band never recorded anything. And okay. I don't think anyone filmed it. Uh, it was it was a you had to be there kind of deal. I think everyone uh, in the chat just wants the nuggets, by the way. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if that's what they're trying to... Bro, I'd be over the fucking moon if I went to a concert and got nuggets uh, at the end. It saves me going to KFC after from Prodigal Space. You... You kid, but someone grabbed a box of one of the nuggets and was feeding the sound tech while he was changing the lights. <laughs> <laughs> it was great because the poor sound tech hadn't eaten all day. <laughs> um, so luckily, yeah, he got dinner. That was wonderful. Um, and yeah, it's our way of saying even if the band are terrible, at least you got fed, right? So, uh, but yeah, we, we ditched that. Well, I ditched that fairly quickly when I realized just how expensive that would have been. Uh, you know, think think about slightly you know average size pubs in the uk that is a lot of chicken yeah (laughs) yeah no it's not an avenue you want to go down (laughs) so what happened after that what what uh, would you guys where'd you guys take that um with that experience you guys uh having that like humor side to it giving out chicken nuggets that everyone wants in the chat someone just zvenga boys wants me to feed i don't i can't feed you guys i'll i'll do my best i will I'll give you chicken nuggets. Thanks, Tristan. That <laughs> ruined the whole thing. But what'd you guys do after that? Um, well, we we kind of were a, just a one-time thing, I suppose. Uh, and we kind of went, yeah, that was fun. Maybe we'll do it again one day. But you know, that was kind of what we we built that for. Uh, and then time went on. I left uni. Uh, Ugly Yeti kept going, and I tried to go to as many of their shows as I could because I was still a big fan of the band. They put out their first EP by that point, uh, which was great. It was called Meme Machine. I'm not just saying that because I'm in the band now. I'm saying it because I genuinely enjoyed the music. Uh, One of the songs on it, the opening track, was one of my most played songs of all time before I joined the band, Um, which is ridiculous when I think about it. And to this day, Saad looks at me and goes, why? Why did did you do it? Why? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so... They, they, they keep playing. Uh, unfortunately, Ulash, my predecessor, had to leave um, purely because he had to leave the country. Uh, so they had to find a new singer. 
Uh, and I went along and auditioned, and it was a lovely, wholesome experience. Uh, Ulash was even there, so the person that uh, I would succeed would uh, got to help replace me. So, oh, sorry, got to help pick his replacement. Yes, there you so, go. You know, there we go. Sorry, words. Um, <laughs> Trust me, the, yeah. uh, the the tribe the tribe knows. You didn't fuck up words. I fuck up words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you all the same. Um, but yeah, that's essentially how it went. I auditioned, I sang one Ugly Yeti song, which we now never play live, <laughs> um, and a cover song of my choosing, for which I picked Man in the Box by Alice in Chains. Uh, and to this day, I think that's my go-to song to sing if I'm trying out for anything, just because it, it covers so much. But yeah, uh, deliberately picked an Alice in Chains song too, because that's who Ugly Yeti reminded me of when I first saw them. Uh, but yeah, a week after that, I, uh, was asked to sing for them and, uh, the rest is history. So was it, uh, was it the initiation process and then, uh, straight into, uh, into the recording studio kind of thing, or were you guys playing shows uh, to kick things off? It was more or less straight to writing, uh, yeah. because Saad had a bunch of riffs lying around that he'd been working on. Uh, and developing uh, while the auditions and things were going on. So we already had a set of mate material to work with uh, that we would later refine and turn into uh, the first EP with me on vocals, Emergence. Um, but it was good. It gave me a chance to really get used to the band dynamic again after a while um, and really figure out kind of the way I fit into the puzzle almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially that, coming coming into a band that's that's already done some stuff, it's uh, it's always harder being the the new guy in an already established group of people than than building up from scratch. I believe. Exactly, and I really did feel like I had to earn my stripes, not because of any pressure from the band. Of course, they were super lovely and super supportive, and pr pretty much very open with me from the get go. Uh, they from sorry from the word go, not the get go, man sentence structures um but yeah they were very much open and collaborative and engaging and uh i just felt like i had to do my best by them to show them that they were right kind of deal yeah um and it, it really um it, it couldn't have gone much better really because i got into a great uh rhythm of writing with sod we wrote a lot of the vocals together um for pretty much every song on that ep uh, and it really, really sort of solidified our songwriting relationship, almost, which I will appreciate till the end of my days, pretty much. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And it, it, set, it sets the tone for how we write now. And, you know, I love it. What more can I say? Uh, but yeah, that was pretty much how we, uh, we came to the Emergence EP. Uh, it was from material that had been pretty much strewn across the last few years of writing that was then refined through a lot of jamming and a lot of experimenting with various things. Uh, we wanted to try and add a few bits of harsher vocals onto this this time, a few more harmonies, uh, some grander arrangements, I suppose. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was just a wonderful songwriting experience uh, to sort of bring you up to date with Ugly Yeti. Sorry, I know I'm going off on a lot of tangents, but... Uh, no, there is a method that, to these. Trust me. The, that's the point of the podcast. You're you're supposed to go on tangents. That's that's exactly why we're doing this. Okay. Well, then, can I ask you? That's crazy, bro. Have you ever done DMT? 
<laughs> Elk meat. <laughs> Pull that no, shit not, up, Jamie. <laughs> not not that far. Not that far into no, no, it. No, no, but no, no, um, no. I, I love the fact that you uh, you stumbled on a, a word or two and uh, and 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 apologize for for doing so. And the chat just all at the same time quoted the last stumble I had, where I went, I know all the songs to the words of this album. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, that makes thanks, sense guys. to me to be fair I, I know what you mean so. yeah they knew what i meant but they didn't they didn't let it go they they still haven't let it go um no. but, but they, Julie, that's the thing that's the thing they don't let it go out of love <laughs> that's let's hope so because because uh, otherwise it'd just be bullying you guys it would just be bullying um we have a couple of questions in the question box go for it uh first one is uh is from derps uh, giving out food is pretty weird but what was the craziest thing you did on stage or have seen another band do on stage? Oh man. Uh, I haven't done that many crazy things on uh, on stage in a band that I can remember, um, other than maybe painting my face uh, as Finn Balor for Halloween and then it all immediately sweating off my face because the lights were so hot. Uh, craziest thing I've seen another band do, that's... Uh, Rammstein pretty much setting light to the stage at Download Festival in 2013. Uh, not that I expected anything less from Rammstein, but hot yeah. damn, they really did try to send everybody home singed. Yeah, I, I think the answer to that question should always be Rammstein. But um, yeah, for me, for if me, not, it was sorry if not Slipknot or a close second. Uh, when I saw them headline the first night of that Download Festival, the barrier broke like two or three times throughout oh, that show and they had to stop multiple times people were fine but they had to put the barrier back up sorry yeah, yeah yeah no i wish i saw slipknot my my craziest uh thing that i ever saw a band do was um this band called Watanes, black metal band and uh mm -hmm. we were backstage and they started putting like caution tape around their area and uh, we asked what the fuck's going on they're like oh they're using real pig's blood to pour on themselves so it's a health hazard and uh, and we can't let anyone cross because they're going on stage with this. So we have to decontaminate the area basically uh, before the next band goes on. We're like, oh, uh, this is not a gross. joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> Belfagor says, that's so badass. I want to partake. <laughs> uh, I mean, your name your name is after another uh, black metal band. So it, uh, I'm pretty sure you would do it. Yeah, Watain are well known for that. Yeah, I, I, I was, it was my first time seeing them, and I was just, I was pretty, uh, pretty taken back. Pretty taken we're, back. Uh, were Svengali supporting? No, I was on tour with Nerve Cell at the time. I was doing Nerve Cell's um, uh, teching and and photography and their their uh, what was it called? Their tour diaries. That was it. Uh, uh, I was filming and editing their tour diaries, so I was with with Nerve Cell at the time, but. It was it was still crazy. <laughs> still, I have a a shot of it in the, in one of the tour diaries, and um, and one of the, I forget who the guitarist or something uh, comes up to the camera and says the fuck it, and walks away. And I was like, <laughs> all right, this is the fuck it, I guess. <laughs> God, that um, <laughs> that reminds me of um, something that someone else said, but it was completely irrelevant. So I'm just gonna let that go. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have more questions in the in the question box. R and R redeemed the question just to let you know. Cool mustache. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Um, my my best friend saw it for the first time in a while uh, at some point last year, and he said, "Wow, you look like Captain Hook got a job at Google." <laughs> and I was like, "Thanks, cheers, mate." <laughs> I mean, all I right. I, <laughs> they're calling you old school and new school at the same time. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know, like hipster <laughs> Captain Hook, like I, I guess maybe I, I don't know. Oh, like, I'll never unsee that now. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> and for but everyone hey. that's listening, uh, listening to this on uh, on Spotify or Apple uh, Podcast or or wherever you get your podcasts, um, yeah, hit Tristan up on on Instagram. You'll see you'll see the the mustache we're talking about. <laughs> oh dear lord. <laughs> um Zvenga Boys uh, is asking a question. What was the song uh Aglietti stopped playing and why did you stop playing it? Ooh, good question. Uh the song was a song called Wounds. It was the second to last track on the first EP, uh Meme Machine. Uh and it's quite a good song actually. It's got quite a nice kind of uh, you know, slower but groovy rhythm. Uh I just don't I I can't remember why we don't play it live. I think I think, I can't speak for the rest of the band, I think that it just doesn't fit quite as much with the things we play now. Uh, but who knows? One day we might decide to crack it out again. Uh, you know, we've only got so much material, so it's unlikely to stay hidden in the near future. Uh, but I haven't played it live yet since my audition. So, yeah, it might happen again. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a really good song, but it, it might just feel like a bit of a lurch in the middle of our set. We uh, we've had a song like that in Zvengali where um, we've had two actually. We had uh, one off the first EP called Aphidia, and another one of the first EP uh, that was the end. Where they're so different to what we play now. Um, we played them once uh, at a show very early on, like our third show ever or something, and then put them away for for a long time, and then. Just before everything uh, closed off, uh, we uh, we actually played it at one of our very last shows, and everyone fucking knew the songs. Like everyone was singing along. We're like, wait, what? We we haven't played this since 2015, but um, because we haven't, that's the one people go to to listen on the album, and uh, and everyone fucking sang along. It blew my mind. I was like, how the fuck? I don't even know the words to this. How do you know the words to this? That's amazing. Zanga <laughs> boys with the party lights. Because I love that song. Ophelia oh, is yeah. a wonderful song. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. That was, again, I was turned on to that because uh, I just produced that EP, right? Or he was involved yes. in... Yeah, yes. yeah, he did. And because he was sharing quite a uh, quite a bit of the promo and stuff, I went, okay, I'll check this out. And I was like, whoa, you know, this band are coming out of the, the Gulf? Like, I've not heard anything like this come out of the region before. This is amazing. Oh, thank um, you, man from the first hit of Ophidia, and I was like, huh, I'm, I'm interested to see where, where this goes kind of deal. Yeah, it was uh, the, it was a lot of fun. Like you were saying, man, it was just us trying to figure out how we write. Like, how do you write in a group? How do you, because I've, I've been uh, in bands um, since I was a teenager, right? But like, we never took that leap of like, we're gonna sit down and write an EP. We're gonna sit down and think about how we're gonna perform this live. Like, it's not just me and a, drum machine and a guitar anymore it's like me and a group of people and um i've, I've said this a million times zvengali basically sounds like me and jm fighting because that's what it, it's just us disagreeing until we both agree and that's the what ha that's what lands on the album that was it <laughs> absolutely and um 
I was talking to Ulash about this actually, the my predecessor in Ugly Yeti, who performs under the name Yigzi now as a as a Turkish hip hop sensation. Uh, he's wonderful, honestly, check him out. Uh, I was talking to him about it, and we were saying how being in a band is like being married, but you're married to your bandmates, kind of deal. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. You know, it's like being that, that's essentially it. To to four or three or four stubborn uh, musicians. That that's that's exactly like pretty much. You it. think one is bad enough? You got three other people to, to get through. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's not a it's not bad in that way because you know you never get you're never pissed off about it like sure you might get frustrated every now and again but you know once you get to the end product at the end of the day you look back on that and go oh huh, no they, they were right like this is what this makes sense it didn't make sense to me at the time but it makes sense now you know that's kind of what that pathway is for really i suppose yeah um but <clears throat> yeah i mean of course arguments are going to happen within a band and you know, the way you described you and JM writing is kind of how, not not arguing, but sort of deep discussions is how I would describe it with Saad. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm sure you feel this with JM as well. At the same time, you feel like you couldn't do this with anybody else. Yes. Right? Like, if it wasn't the two of you, it just would not work. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Right? Work, it, working on whatever you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like yeah exactly like you said it, it's it's that love-hate relationship like it, you have to get through the tough parts because the good stuff is really good that, yeah. that's that's the way that's the way i see it and, and um, you just described being in a band <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and dude when when we first started um i came from a place where i was always the the like shot caller in in my old bands and i kind of did everything myself and jm came from the shot caller kind of did everything himself background and when we first started and one of us just said, no, I don't like that. It was like, wait, what? How can <laughs> anyone say that to me? How are you even? So outside of the actual band dynamic and, and the writing process, I think uh, one of the biggest things I learned since uh, 2015 starting Svengali is just being able to listen and maybe say, fuck it. You know what? You're right. You were, I was wrong. Yeah. You were right. I wasn't able to say that before. And it kind of uh, seeped into like my personal life and, and my relationships outside of the band and stuff. And hey, man, I learned I learned that through uh, <laughs> through fighting with JM over a guitar riff. <laughs> yeah, was, it, it, exactly. It's um, you know, it's a big lesson. And you know, you might think it's great, but when you take your personal investment out of it and you step outside and you go, actually, does this suit our collective goal? And you look at it objectively as opposed to from a personal standpoint, you kind of go actually no yeah they're right you know we're we got to move together not you know tug each other in uh as many different directions uh yeah. which, which hasn't happened with us we very much you know you know we very much knuckle down and work when we can you know and uh we like to think it works <laughs> hey i want to give a shout out to bussy continuing the gifted sub they got from four derpy paws dude thank you so much man thank you thank you thank you um, appreciate each and every single one of you guys that uh, that supports the show. It's the reason we get to do this. That's the reason we get to do this. So, Busty, thank you so much for uh, for that resub, man. Appreciate you. As long as you don't play Mount Mount Your Friends or whatever that game was called on Discord uh, with Lars and and actually do that. It was fucking hella entertaining. 
what? <laughs> there's a game. There's a game called Mount Your Friends. It was, it, it was. Ba- it's like these stick figures, and they fling them on top of each other. They're wearing thongs. I. <laughs> Absinthe, absinthe I, is in the house. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, you guys. <laughs> Bussy, could you explain it to the chat? I don't know, because, uh, because I'm digging myself a hole. Here. I don't know. Tristan's like, I, what um, kind of podcast are you making here? Should <laughs> <laughs> You made him whip out the Kuwaiti, bro. <laughs> I. T- <laughs> You, you made me whip out the Arabic. I didn't want to have to. No, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. My Arabic is terrible, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to speak than, it where I can. That was better than I can. I can say it. Um, but, I, I uh, find but yeah. that very hard to believe. Wait, wait. Bussy's saying just Google mount your friends. Um, may, maybe right. let's not do that. Let's not do that. Everybody that's listening to the show or, or watching this live, please don't do that. Uh, tell us more about mounting your friends. Absinthe, we're, listen, we're digging ourselves a hole here. Um there, there's oh, let's jump back to the questions because uh, because hash yeah. uh brought something up he's like there's got to be there's got to be at least one sexy eddie out there and um and wicked cat asked she redeemed to ask a question why is the eddie ugly where did uh, where did the name come from it was around before you joined but uh do you know why the the eddie's ugly uh honestly i wish i could tell you uh i didn't come up with the name uh although funnily enough i was speaking to my neighbor the other day uh preemptively apologizing for any singing I do and uh she was like oh is that you are you in a band I was like yeah yeah she was like oh what are you called oh we're called ugly yeti uh and she was like oh so a bit of a Tibetan vibe and I was like "Uh, yeah sure why not (laughs) like kind of deal uh I think it I think it loosely stemmed from a play on ugly betty but I can't confirm that um purely because I wasn't around when the name was, you know, when the name was thought up. Uh, this has been, you know, the band's name for many, many years before I joined. <laughs> I think it was a play on that and just kind of a, you know, an ode to the trademark sort of wackiness of the band, I suppose. I wouldn't say we're completely silly, but we've got a, you know, we like to think we have a sense of humor and don't take ourselves all that seriously yeah um so yeah it's kind of a combination of that i suppose it's an ode to that a play on a well-known sitcom uh the actual yeti itself isn't all that ugly they're actually very nice looking we've had for them so i don't i don't quite know where the ugly comes from uh someone did ask who the ugly yeti was in the band and that was a bit mean i thought because no one in the band is ugly they're all lovely um but yeah, it was just like, okay, we've created this thing for us now. Maybe we'll have some Yeti plushy toys down the line. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I, listen, you can you can definitely uh, you can definitely uh, run with that because in preparation for for the show, I was having a conversation with uh, our mod uh, beast woman uh, for Derpy Paws, and she was like, you know, because it's a Yeti, like it's big, it's hairy, it it, it stumbles, and I was like, wait, I. I feel personally attacked. What, what are you trying to say? Is are all these uh, things uh, signs of, of of ugly? But um, <laughs> I just wanted to throw her under the bus. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I think she was just trying to say how um, how how yetiish you are as opposed to being <laughs> ugly, because you know not not all yetis are ugly. <laughs> uh, just ours, apparently. <laughs> 
I don't know, maybe we'll write a song about an actual ugly, ugly Yeti one day and it'll all come full circle. Um, and an we'll... ugly Yeti finding love. That's yeah, wholesome. Yeah, like a, like a nice little sort of Yeti Romeo and Juliet story kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Svenga Boy says, have you guys considered shortening it uh, Yeti plus ugly? So it's yugly. <laughs> yugly. <laughs> no, that because sounds... then every... <laughs> that sounds more Arabic than it should. <laughs> no, every promoter would think we were insulting them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, who are you? Yugly? Oi, yeah. out. Like... <laughs> <laughs> One day they'll play in Tibet and a bunch of uh, yetis will beat these guys up. Yeah. That's from Absent. <laughs> if, honestly, if we can summon yetis... If we can play in Tibet, for one thing, and then summon a group of yetis to our location, I think that would be, you know, that that's just jumping the shark just a tiny bit. Um, feels like something out of Metalocalypse, almost. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, the music was so strong that it summoned the Earth's yeti population into existence. <laughs> <laughs> See, th th this is this is the kind of stuff that you can run with. This is the kind of stuff that you can run with. Just... Actually, that'd be a great concept record. <laughs> exactly. That's a, imagine little uh, a little like uh, a sequence of of music videos as well that just tell the bigger story, almost like a movie, like of of the concept album. There you go. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I Loki love it when music videos do that, and I'm a total nerd for concept albums. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, mm, I think Coheed and Cambria might have a speak, though. I don't think we'll ever be as good as them for that kind of thing. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. their next level, like the stories they've woven into this, you know, amazing music is just insanity. I, um, I, I come from such a hardcore kid background. Uh, I, my, my, my songs are like two minutes tops. They're very literal, you know, like I was walking down the street. And then I tripped. Like that's the kind of <laughs> shit I grew up with. And uh, and when I when I listen to to concept albums and and these big grand uh, metaphoric uh, songs, I'm j I just get so lost. I guess I love it. I'm a big fan of it. But uh, but it's not the the kind of stuff that I could produce. That's for sure. <laughs> this thing oh. is like a, as as deep and metaphorical as I can go. The rest is like I love my friends. You know, just it's just straight <laughs> up. <laughs> I hate the government. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mix between hate breed and tenacious D. That's kind of my range. <laughs> we played the best song. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can't remember what it was. That's kind of my range, but um, but I do love that shit. Um, no, absolutely. And but I think the best music to come out of that kind of progressive scene uh, is done through the lens of pop. So that's stuff like Devin Townsend or Periphery or things like that, because, yeah, it's still technically impressive, but they are not ignoring the structure of the song. Yeah. You know, everything is done to suit that song. Uh, I was watching a great video about this recently, actually, with Finn McKenty of the Punk Rock NBA, and uh, he calls a lot of modern prog riff salad, um, <laughs> which I think is the perfect term because... There's a lot of it that's just a bunch of riffs glued together and not really ending. Whereas the prog stuff that is really good is the stuff that is one or two riffs, but done in a ton of different ways that have sort of peaks and flows. Yeah. To, to me, at least, I suppose. Um, I I mean, listen, I was in, 
in a band called uh, Figure of Fate back in the day that we literally had no riffs repeat in any of the songs. And at, at that time, that MySpace prog kind of California mastering, everything's at 100% uh, was, was the thing. We literally had six songs on that AP, not a single riff repeated. <laughs> it was just, there was no chorus, no structure, no. So I, I've, I dove into that world for a bit, but, um, but it, was, it, was, uh, it was because of the, the environment. It was because of the, the culture around it and because of the fadness of it, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. Um, and in the same way that a lot of people in the Kuwaiti scene were influenced, in the metal scene at least, were influenced by people like At The Gates and In Flames and all that kind of thing. So the songs still had a good structure, but they were very much in that leaning towards the, the progressive kind of camp. Um, save for the few rock bands that were around, like Jelly Shot, who were just, you know, big choruses, lovely riffs all the way through. Uh, I can't gush about that band enough. I think they were my favorite Kuwaiti band, bar none. Like it was just awesome. We definitely got to check them out. You gotta, you gotta drop a drop a link over in the Discord once we're uh, once we're done here. Absolutely, I definitely will. If I can, out. if I can find that first EP on um, on YouTube, I'll definitely stick that in there. In and the Discord. Uh, for for all the newcomers, um, if you guys if you guys haven't already, exclamation point Discord in the chat. Derpy just posted it. Super mod. Um, and join join Discord. We have conversations. You can drop your your own bands. You can uh, share some stuff you make. Uh, we uh, we have a growing community of of fans and artists and and managers and and content creators from from all around the world that I think uh, I think you guys uh, you guys would definitely enjoy. Oh, we got we got some more uh, some more questions in the question box. Oh man, <laughs> you guys are on all fire. Right. Uh, did you ever have a bad experience in the scene? <clears throat> Bands who saw you as rivals instead of colleagues uh like uh like hash was saying in the in in the in kuwait in the kuwaiti scene it was a little more uh of a click vibe there were there were a little bit of rivalry how was it over in the uh, in the uk um not particularly i can't think of any terrible experiences it shows or with the metal scene as such yet personally um obviously there's some of the wider problems that we discuss um a lot of the time but um yeah in terms of my own experiences uh maybe one or two people being a bit you know stupid at a gig once or twice but i can't zoom in on one because at the end of the day you kind of just brush those things off because you kind of go you know if someone's being a bit like weird or strange at a gig you kind of just go well we're at a gig kind of deal yeah um but yeah, no real bad experiences to speak of that I can remember at the moment. Yeah, it's it's very different here because we have, I've been through experiences where like other bands try to get you off the bill kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, wow. it's, it's not just a, a little scuff uh, at a venue. They're, they were actively trying to, to you know, m make sure that you don't progress which i think was uh, was the question it was it was more along those lines not uh, all right so, not sorry i missed i misinterpreted that entirely um but uh yeah there in terms of the kuwaiti scene itself i noticed like maybe one or two rivalries i couldn't remember who they were i don't think you know there were too many that were all that detrimental i know there were one or two feuds that caused show shows to break apart uh 
uh, before they could perform. But yeah, I can't remember specific instances. There were people who were a lot deeper in than me uh, who would probably uh, be able to give you a more of a first-hand recounting of that, I suppose. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, as as Hash pointed out, they're still going on. But those uh, those show cancellation ones are uh, are a Middle Eastern unique uh, thing where people like tell on each other's shows so they can get the show shut down. Um, Absolutely, that doesn't happen everywhere else in the world. In um in Orlando Crowcroft's book, uh, Metal and Mayhem in the Middle East: Rock in a Hard Place. Pretty much every country he visits, he describes at least one person uh, getting a show shut down by either another band or someone in their general neighborhood because people yeah. were playing and like, you know, people were playing in houses. People weren't in the Gulf, at least, I don't think, weren't largely playing in venues and even venues weren't safe because he talks about um, talks about the famous rock bar in Lebanon, I think. I can't remember the name um, that was being raided pretty much all the time nova i think it was nova pub wasn't it something like that or cherries potentially i think it was cherries potentially uh i'd have to reread the book but um but yeah even countries where venues and stuff existed you know you weren't entirely safe from being uh from shows being cancelled so in countries where it was more of a where it felt like more of a free-for-all and there were no dedicated spaces really and you kind of had to make your own uh make your own performance space kind of deal which was resulted in a lot of um kind of house show uh house party shows and that kind of thing which would yeah. then result in you know police being called and all kinds of stuff it yeah it uh it was it was a bit of a strange one so i think people in terms of heavier bands kind of gave up on playing shows after a while in kuwait um just because there was no space for them at least while i was there uh, or at least yeah, they didn't really have many places where they could perform to their fullest uh, without, you know, the risk of a prior cancellation or some kind of complication further down the line. Uh, I had a, I had a point to that story and I've completely forgotten it. So <laughs> that's cool. That's the that's the yeah. that's the point. That's the point. I know. <laughs> um, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask about. You now with with Ugly Eddie, you're suddenly uh, settled in in the UK. Um, is uh, <laughs> this Venga Boys with the party lights? Is um, is the Kuwait scene, the Middle Eastern scene, uh, a big part of uh, your uh, your approach when it comes to music? Is it a big part of your everyday, like when you when you're finding bands, all that stuff, or do you feel like you've you've moving out of of the country has distanced you from from the scene and from the people over there um i feel like some of the latter uh i'm still friends with a select few people but i'm not as connected to the scene as i once was um so the bits and pieces of the scene that i do find out about i find out about through particular friends who were in the scene when i was about uh and they keep me fairly up to date like there's a recent band from kuwait called the temple tree um who i like listening to uh they, I don't think, were around in a strict formation when I was there, but uh, finding out that Kuwaiti bands are forming even after, you know, I'd left it for good pretty much, uh, was still really cool and still kind of gives me a, a piece of connection to home. Uh, and that's the same for the bands that I was listening to when we were very much active in the scene. 
even if some of the music's a bit harder to track down now, there's still bits and pieces and pockets where it exists. So, you know, if I if I ever get a little bit homesick, I just crack on uh, an old Voice of the Soul EP or an old Jelly Shot song, and it just kind of takes me right back there. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of the current scene, I'm not as well informed as I would like to be. Yeah, it's it, it's it's one of those things that's ever growing. I think that's why uh, it's it's hard to keep up. I'm here, and we do this show based around the Middle Eastern metal scene, and like try to try to highlight it. And every day, I'm like, who, what, what album just dropped? Who the fuck? It's uh, it's amazing. It's I I, I do love it. Ah, Cragers change the lights to green. Thank you, my dude. Um, I was I was gonna say that happened with me for you last year. <laughs> Purely because I was like, whoa, Spingali have got new music out. What's this? And Oh yeah. <laughs> and then the album dropped and I was like, you guys are back? Whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a long time between uh, between the albums, but um every literally everything happened in those five years for, for each individual uh, band member. Oh yeah. Life absolutely. was uh, life was uh, was pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. For sure, like starting families, getting married, all that kind of thing, kind of gets in the way of, kind of takes, well, not gets in the way, takes precedent over music. <laughs> Definitely. It got in the way of me screaming into a mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't play my music with my friends anymore, with my responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's exactly how I felt when I saw that Sayonara was coming out. And I was like, yes. And I remember messaging you as soon as that album dropped and saying i can't you i cannot tell you how glad i am that svengali are back and then a matter of months later coat of arms start dropping songs non-stop and i'm just yeah. like this is awesome because these are you know coat of arms were one of the first i want to say bigger bands because compared to most bands that i knew in the scene they were one of the bigger sort of fish in the pond i guess um and for them to come back again was just amazing to see that yeah yeah um, they have a they have strategy and and like they know what they're doing they know oh yeah. what the fuck they're doing these days absolutely absolutely like i am i am fully behind it england just scored a goal i can hear my family i, I, I you know, heard a little bit screen. of that i heard a little bit of that um <laughs> anyone anyone in the chat uh watching uh, watching the footballs anyone in the chat down with the uh with the footballs <laughs> are you into are you into football uh at a at a distance i'm not as into it that i know about loads of different player trades and all that kind of thing but i'll, I'll happily watch it socially or with my friends or vaguely follow my hometown's team uh but i'm not as dedicated as some of the fans that that you see who've got the shirts and are sort of fans for life kind of deal uh but the euros have been a, a nice bit of lev levity i guess and watching them as a family is actually quite nice so yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, There's something about that. Zvenga boys in the chat saying Denmark uh, just scored. Oh, sorry, not England. <laughs> Football well, that's the thing where a ball rolls around and the players dive <laughs> to the ground and eat grass, right? That's from Bussy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? I cut you off there. No, 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 it's okay. Uh, well, I guess my parents want Denmark to win then. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then again, they get excited when uh, just when goals happen because I think they just appreciate the game. We were watching yeah. Italy Spain yesterday, and each time the ball went in, it was just like, "What?" Uh, and I think there's an element of uh, I was saying this to my mom yesterday. There's an element of the um, Arabian commentator over that. 
Oh yeah. Because just the long scream. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. I'm just like, I want his breath control when I sing. If you guys, uh, if you guys never watch football with, with an Arabic commentator, you... Lingo just gifted 25 tier one subs to the community. Holy fuck, holy. Lingo, thank you, my dude. Bruh, bruh, for real. Lingo 213, what a fucking badass. Dude, thank you, man. Holy shit. Uh, a lot of people just got a, got a, a gifted tier one sub. You guys, um, if you if you don't already know, uh, sorry Tristan, but this is uh, this All just right? uh, kicked my ass right now. Um, we got new tribe members to welcome. That's more important. Hell yeah, Lingo Lingo two one three is an absolute fucking badass. And uh, give him uh, give him a follow. He's he's a streamer. He's an OG homie of mine. He's uh, he's been he's been around uh, for twenty years. I've known this guy almost twenty years. We sound old, but it's been it's been a long ass time. Thank you, brother. That means that means the absolute world to me, man. And uh, and you're you're making it creep over to that uh, to that 300. We might have to do a giveaway soon. And that's uh, absolutely cool. Oh, there you go, uh, Trish uh, Trisher Trisher XO got a uh, a gifted sub as well. Welcome, welcome, welcome. First time chatter. Um, absolutely badass. You guys follow Lingo. Go show him some love. 25 gifted tier one subs out of nowhere. What a what a badass. They keeps uh, keeps the tribe alive. Absolutely. Um, I I blank. Where were we before this? Holy crap! Only I, I <laughs> we have gone off on so many different roads. We can't remember the one we started on. Exactly. Like, but th I guess that's the that's the beauty of these things, right? We don't exactly. know where we're gonna end up. Um, uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your Instagram and uh, and what you were doing as soon as lockdown started. You had this thing where you'd ask your your instagram followers to suggest different songs and then you would perform the vocals or the chorus of of that song uh, on your instagram stories and, and post it and then you would do this i think it was bi-weekly at first and then you started doing it as as a sunday thing um was what was that what was that was that coping with the with the lockdown how was that like pretty much uh i started that before i came back to back to brighton and it was a case of just uh right you know, I need to do something to make sure that I don't go completely stir crazy and that I still have some form of interaction with people that isn't just checking in and Woo! and saying, Hey, how are you? Uh, so I said, right, I'm going to, I'm going to put a request box up. These are going to be, you know, pretty low quality videos, but it's the best I've got. Um, going to put a request box up get people to request various choruses i'll pick my favorite and sing it and i did that every day from march until middle of the summer i want to say of last year um and the only reason i stopped is because um well the reason i started was to make sure that i a had an excuse to practice singing and b uh, got you know some way other way to interact with people um the reason I stopped was because I genuinely didn't like how I was sounding, even with, uh, even with what I was doing with the daily courses. So from there, I managed to track down my current singing teacher who has absolutely changed the way I look at singing. Like, had you, you know, had any, um, had you had any, uh, uh, like training before this, before this, uh, finding uh, this particular teacher? 
Um, like one or two bits, maybe, uh, but not not anything extensive. I'd done a few lessons like a few years before that, but um, not nothing this in depth and nothing this suited to what I want to be doing. Uh, because I wanted to be able to get better at harsher singing as well as just regular singing, and I've certainly improved. But I am not I'm not at the point where I want to be yet. But I think that's good for now because it means that I can sort of develop it further and make it closer to what I want it to be because the screamy stuff is the stuff that I am least comfortable with mm -hmm. um, because I've never been able to do it right and the one or two times that I have done it it just really messed with my voice and really really hurt so I decided to stop doing it altogether until I could learn how to do things properly yeah um, which has been amazing because now I can do you know, not whole things, but harsher vocal lines without shredding up my, you know, my voice box. And it's been, you know, a great little tool that I can start to put into little bits and pieces of my covers or, uh, or songs that I'm doing with the band. It's another thing that I can bring to the table to help everything. Uh, and I think that, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. It's a, it's a great segue into this uh, question that we have in the question box. Um, what would you say is the most important thing about making music for you? Is it more the personal fulfillment or is it doing something for the audience, telling a story, sending a message, etc.? And um, and I'd like to add to that uh, or achieving kind of personal goals uh, as a musician yourself. Ooh, that's a that's a multi-layered question. Mm -hmm. um, really, at the moment, it's about personal fulfillment because at the end of the day, I sing because it's fun and it makes me happy. Um, I'm with Ugly Eddie because when we play together, it makes me happy. And when we play, especially our original material that we've come up with together, um, that is my end goal. And if I can write about subjects that are closer to my heart along the way, um, then I'm all in for it, really. <laughs> um, so yeah, to answer your question, it's a little bit of both, more of the former than the latter. But um, yeah, it's really just a way of, um, it's it's a way to channel a lot, really. Um, really. Uh, yeah. I can't I can't find the words to describe it beyond. It's it's about sort of um, expressing what I can't express elsewhere, um, and doing that through the lens of something that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And add to that, uh, the archiving goals, do you uh, pursue your dreams eagerly enough? <laughs> like, do you change your, chase your dreams the right way? Mr. Prostitute, what's going on? Prostitute always busting my balls. How's it going, man? Good to see you here. Um, and I saw uh, Craggers was asking for, uh, for Tristan's uh, Instagram page. If you guys uh, check in the chat and there will be some more links to that. Um, Ugly Eddie's Instagram page is in the, uh, in the chat. Every uh, every time the uh, alert comes up, every time his name comes up, we drop the Instagram in there. So um, head on over there and, and give them a follow. You'll see a bunch of that stuff there, and um, and a whole lot more. They they have a link uh, link tree in in their bio as well for for you to check out all their uh, their music and their Bandcamp and all that stuff. Um, in, indeed, we do. And uh, <laughs> it's funny you should mention our Instagram because uh, the piece of promo that we did for that was some of the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, we, we made a little video to sort of announce to people that we've made an Instagram 
and the idea was Saad was texting all of us to let us know that our Instagram was active and we were live and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so he texted Ankit first. Ankit would, you know, respond with just fuck you. <laughs> uh, Mache would respond with a picture of a train. And then I responded with Intehmach. <laughs> <laughs> Which translates to, uh, to your donkey, you basically. Donkey. <laughs> in Arabic. But it's, but it's way more offensive in Arabic than it is in English. Um, and it just ends with Saad going, oh, you know what? Fuck this. And it's honestly the funniest bit of promo that I think I've ever been a part of. And and everyone can check that out on the on the Instagram page as well, right? I think it's the very first thing that's on. It there. should be, yeah. All right, awesome. Um, so what do you, what was uh, what's Ugly Yeti's plan now? Things are opening up. I mean, things are hot and cold over in the UK, but. Uh, things are opening up again. Um, it seems like shows are back open. Uh, all, all, all the stuff is. I mean, I don't. I don't want to say going back to normal, but <laughs> mm. yeah, <laughs> crossing there's something fingers. weird about that. There's yeah, something weird about that, doesn't it? Like, is is there is there a going back to normal? What do you what do you see uh, happening in the in the near future? Um, honestly, our immediate goal is to keep writing. Um, we're in the very early stages of it now, but we want to be able to, yeah, just keep churning out some songs, maybe, maybe change how we look at releases. Um, cause I know a lot of different bands are switching from album and EP based, um, hit releases to, um, something similar to what Code of Arms are doing actually, mm -hmm. um, is proof that you can just, you know, write, 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 and, you know, produce top-notch singles so i think that would be a more immediate goal i suppose uh get some music videos made uh maybe play in some towns outside london uh because we've well i have yet to do that with the band i don't know if the band have played outside london yet um but that would be cool to do uh and in terms of where we go in the far-flung future i really don't know um our goal our goals immediately are to keep writing and get back in the same city. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I think that's because because of the traumatic year that we've had as uh, as as especially people that perform and uh, even even in my like uh, day job industry where people were filming, everything got shut down. Uh, the immediate goal is just to be creative again. <laughs> just be able to meet your friends and write music like that could be yeah. the biggest thing that's happened in the last year and a half absolutely and it's not that we haven't had opportunities as individuals both uh, you know you and me um it's not like we haven't had opportunities to do things by ourselves and we have absolutely yeah. um but there's a bit of a difference between us doing our sort of individual creative thing and then getting in a room with our bandmates and creating together again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that experience is for the writing process. Yeah, there's things you can do as individuals, but to get in a room and jam out things together is just so th so important to the process. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think um, uh, we we definitely had that discussion as Derpy Paws just pointed out over on on Discord when it comes to you know releasing singles versus albums we had uh, a bunch of the tribe that were saying you know and nothing replaces a good album front to back listening uh to to the uh, concept album as, as we were talking about earlier um the For others sure. uh Bailuni was involved in the conversation saying you know it's a, it's a singles world uh these days you can get more 
um, punch for each song instead of kind of having it drown within the context of uh, of, of a full length album where it might not get the spotlight that it that it deserves. In this day and age, you mentioned it briefly, but what would you consume more of having seen like the you know the coat of arms route uh versus uh versus a full-length album uh that that just dropped from from x band that's a really good question and my honest answer is that i'm a music fan so both um it it all depends on what the bands want to pursue so if they want to pursue the singles route then i am on board for that and i will listen to those singles um, it's kind of similar to what Machine Head have been doing for the last couple of years, although apparently there is an album on the way. Um, but then on the, at the same time, I listen to a lot of bands who are exclusively putting out albums, but are treating their singles as hit singles, almost. Mm -hmm. So they are giving those singles enough time to breathe and letting those stand out. Um, that, that's one thing that a band called Don Broco are doing over here with their latest song. Uh, it's been non-stop on my playlist. It's called Manchester Super Red's Number One Fan it's you, you cannot stop playing that song once you start um there's an album coming around it but it's being pushed off the back of this one great song at the minute yeah and it makes you excited to hear what comes next which is the point of a big hit single isn't it um yeah i, I suppose sorry i didn't mean to sound so aggressive there it's the point of a big hit single isn't it um <laughs> better be right. a hit boy <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's that it's that uh, uh, that, that uh, record label executive with with a c cigar in his mouth. Like, I want you, I want you to make a hit. You're for gonna me. be a star, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other side of that, you've got Lars Ulrich's dad going. I would say uh, delete, delete that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. yo, I I want to make that into a T-shirt. When 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 he says. Um, so what do you think? And they played him this weird ass track off Saint Anger, and he goes, "I, I would, I, 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 I would, I, I really don't think so." And I'm like, "That's the best response to that shit." He, music. Is, he is trying so hard to be nice. You can tell he's trying. He's like, "Oh, this is my son's music. I don't want to trash it." Um, you know, but how? What more can you be than honest at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, that uh, that delete that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Prostitute says he's uh, he prefers to be immersed in full albums uh, with a story that involves uh, evolves throughout the songs. Uh, his favorite concept album is London by Voices, and is asking what your favorite concept album is. Ooh, ooh, that's a really good one. Oh, this is gonna be really hard. Uh, it's got to be a tie between. Um, in Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth by Coheed and Cambria. Um, oh, this is so hard because there are so many that are really good. Or Crack the Sky by Mastodon. Ooh, that's a good one. It was between that one. and Blood Mountain, but I don't think Blood Mountain is quite a concept record. A Wicked Cat dropped the ultimate concept album pink floyd the wall sorry it's old very but it good still shout. holds up yeah very good shout that that is the concept album though like that's that's the one that every modern concept album at least kind of looks back to yeah so yeah absolutely strong shout strong shout uh hi saying my man shouting out uh Cohen and cambria and mastodon you're uh you're uh, you're ticking all the boxes you're ticking all the boxes <laughs> 
But, Absolutely. Um, dude, Coheed and Cambry is just for the hair envy. <laughs> <laughs> speaking speaking of uh, of the hair envy, um, why do you, why how how well, how do you do that? Why can't I look cool? Why don't I have hair and a mustache like that? How how do I how you do I cool. make that happen? You seen your beard, dude? Um, <laughs> I got called a yeti twice today. <laughs> Yeah, but you, you know what? I, I, I think you look great. So there. And you give me beard envy, so there. Um, yeah, all right, cool. I can, but, yeah, upside, but, upside down, I work it. Yeah, but in terms in terms of this, I don't know. It's um, This seems to sprout out of Arabian men's heads pretty naturally. That is one thing that Hashim and I both have in common, is we've both got this tightly wound, like, long curly hair. His is much longer than mine. Um, I reckon if you grew yours out properly, it would flow really well. Wait, um, can so someone yeah, grow your uh, hair out, dude? Can someone drop the emote? I tried to grow it when I was a kid, but it just it never came back down. It just went up. Uh, and we made uh, Bel well, Belfagor made an emote out of it. Um, whoever has whoever has that emote, not that one. <laughs> whoever ha whoever unlocked there it is. That's how that's what it looked like. He uh, he kind of colored uh -huh. my hair, but it just it was just a, a, a circle. It was just a circle. <laughs> that's fair i especially in a, in a hotter country too you feel that with curly hair because it just goes yeah uh, yeah 100%. you gotta you, you gotta tame it with some product dude <laughs> that's all you gotta do it's yeah slick. I'm, I'm one of those guys i have no idea how to i i, I i'm 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 a, a stereotype i'm like the stereotype of, of the <laughs> dude that doesn't know the product stuff i like i use gel on my beard once and that's the only thing i i figured out how to do i'm so bad at this shit i'm really bad at it and i'm not i'm not proud of it it's like i'm just i just suck at figuring these things out it's like figuring oh, out if i it's, yeah it's pretty bad it's pretty bad tame it with a razor no no it's yeah it's completely <laughs> fine like you know you got the cheap you, you don't ever have to pay for a haircut so there's that um you know may, maybe a beard trim once in a while just to make sure you're you're all shaped but yeah <laughs> you know, I, I, but i think you're stylish don't, don't call yourself don't put yourself down don't ever say oh, you're not thank cool you again. man thank That's you mean. man and look at um, wicked cat calling me a sexy eddie thank you i yeah. appreciate that i didn't i didn't call you a yeti you did that to yourself you dunce i'm sorry <laughs> and i get called all right thanks derps it doesn't spring out of my head uh from but julian I, I tell you what we'll we'll photoshop your picture onto a yeti and then we'll sell that as collab merch done how's that sound done wait actually maybe not done because the tribe will actually buy that shit they're like ready they're ready oh in that case we'll go for the full we'll go the full plushy route you'll get an adnan yeah. yeti plushy <laughs> it's um, just a yeti one with adnan's face stapled to <laughs> a wicked cat says take my money already uh brother easy answer don't cut the beard again it really works craggers has one of the massivest, most epic beards I've ever seen in my life. Um, your hair looks better than mine uh, from Bussy. Listen, dude, you guys, you guys, you guys don't know what you're talking about. An Adnan plushie? Yes, please. All right. All right. We're not, we're, we're, listen, it was a joke, you guys. We're not doing a ugly Yeti a unmuted collab with my face on it. <laughs> Maybe. We'll talk never about say, it later. Ne never say never. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of want one just for me. So if, we can sell them together then that's fine <laughs> um <laughs> roxanne says i'm plushy sold julian yes we are i'm i'm already calling my merch people 
<laughs> hey, this is print money. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, right. This podcast was not the rude, the Adnan plushie. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of merch, um, how can how can uh, the tribe support uh, Ugly Eddie? How can these guys uh, show some love? Uh, what's what's the best route you guys are doing? Is there is there a band camp? Uh, is that the best route? Is rocking up to shows in London because we have a lot of people from the UK in here. Um, what, what is uh, what is the uh, the path these guys should take? Um, whatever path you see fit, we have many pods to suit you. There is our Instagram at Ugly Eddie Official, where we'll try to keep you up to date with various things as we are all a bit weird with social media. We're trying to still navigate that as a band. Um, or you can follow us on Bandcamp. That's probably the best way to support us. Uh, hit the follow on Spotify or wherever you get your music. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if... If you're vaguely interested, come along to a show if you're about in London. It'd be nice to meet some members of the tribe face-to-face -face and, uh, yeah, hang out. Uh, we're getting uh, we're getting asked, well, when will you guys play Belgium? Is that in the... Uh, let's see. Is let, that an let's, offer? <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's, let's get the uh, lockdown out of the way first. Wait, is there no lockdown in Belgium? Are, are, are you guys playing shows in Belgium? Is that happening? We but, haven't um, announced any, but you know, I would very much love to play in Belgium. So, Belgium yeah, is Belgium opening up. Promoters. Yeah, that's sick. Hit us up. I'm in London on Saturday. Play me a show from Craggers. <laughs> Just for you, Craggers. Uh, no one else. Let's. Uh, I wanted. Uh, I wanted to play a little something um, for uh, for the tribe. I'm on your uh, your YouTube page. I was I was trying to find a live show one of the live shows that you guys have or or uh or maybe just just a track what what would you like to play for the tribe um ooh this is a really good question because i could pick one of two songs um yeah we'll go with this one uh i would like to play you my favorite song from our latest ep which is escape velocity here we go. We now right. close our sets with this song, and I, yeah, I, I go hype for it every time. Hell yeah! Well, uh, let's let's check this out. We'll still be here. Well, let's do uh, let's do this little trick of Rooney. Um, I yeah. book book them for Unmuted Fest, dude. You know if Unmuted Fest is happening, uh, Ugly Eddie's uh, is gonna be uh, is gonna be there. It's gonna be a hundred percent there. Let me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Look at this, look at this, you guys. I'm doing this on the fly, on the go. You guys have uh, have no idea how much brain power I'm using right now to, to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And we can play the song. You guys get to check out the artwork and everything. Hold up. And this one. Look at this, look at this. Pure genius I am. You so fancy. <laughs> it's uh it's it's a it's a work in progress. It's a thing that I do. It's uh it's, it's a still, thing that I it's still slick as hell though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. You guys. Yeah, this yeah. You wanna do you wanna give us a little bit of uh info on the on the song before we play it? Um yes, yeah, absolutely. Um this is a song mainly written about kind of uh Letting your mind wander Alpha to the point Gore. of self-destruction and moist? stopping yourself doing that. 
That's what the song's about. Thank <laughs> Never you mind to whoever what I did said. that. <laughs> that <one. laughs> That's oh, what it's about. Here we go. Here we go. I think this will this will play everywhere. There we go. Yes, I have a Mac Wicked Cat, unfortunately. Rob. Hash says, no joke, this is my ringtone. Wait, seriously? That is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. This is Boy saying the bass sounds awesome. That's all Mache. He is incredible.
There we go, y'all. Let me see. Let me see what happened in the chat before we get Tristan in here. Derpy with the clap right away. There was uh, there was a lot of things happening. There was a lot of things happening. No joke. This is my ringtone killer opening. The bass sounds awesome. This is the true old school British sound. I I like it. Um, Svenga boys dancing and then putting on the police lights. Uh, so all it takes to shut up a muted is a play an ugly Eddie song. <laughs> If only we'd known earlier. Uh, oh shit! This slaps. Uh, we got we got Zvenga boys in the pit. Uh, oh oh heck from uh, from Derps. Uh, Nitro throwing in the sick riff emotes. Zvenga boys with the uh, with the stank face. Uh, we got some beer thrown around. Oh, we got we got Craggers pushing Derpy into the uh, into the mosh pit there. Oh man, you guys, uh, uh, prostitute saying a very nice song structure. Uh, a, a bunch of a bunch of spicy emotes in there as well. I hear the Mastodon influence here and there. Um, a, a whole lot of claps, a whole lot of woos. Roxanne saying this is amazing, dude. Uh, that's uh, that was uh, that was a hell of a song. How do you feel uh, playing it for the tribe? Uh, uh, I'm speechless. That was really kind. Thank you very much uh, to everyone who's enjoyed it. Uh, it's weird. Someone pointed out a Mastodon influence. I didn't. I didn't hear that until now because my main thoughts or influences for the vocals at least were um, Matt Heafy from Trivium and Howard Jones. So it was just like, you know, huh, that's interesting. Um, purely because I think Troy is one of the best vocalists out there in terms of the gravelly vocal tone and that kind of thing. He's just awesome. Yeah, I, and I, that's one of the things I love about people uh, people's interpretations of, of music, right? Is you know, prostitute says uh, he hears the the Mastodon influence. When you think about it, you're like, I see where he saw that. But the guy that you know, you wrote you wrote the music and and yeah. you wrote the the lyrics and and the melodies and everything. That wasn't necessarily your uh, your take on it at that time. Not not at the time, but now that someone mentions it, I kind of go, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's no surprise because at the time, Saad was like, ooh, I really want to cover a Mastodon song as well. So we nearly ended up doing something like. Uh, no, not for the EP, just for like live shows. We nearly yeah. ended up doing Steam Breather or um, Show Yourself or something like that. Um, so who knows? Maybe. <laughs> I'd love to do some Mastodon. Uh, but yeah. but yeah, it's it's always cool when you kind of hear bits and pieces that, you know, the musician themselves is a little surprised by. Uh, I had that with a band that I'm listening to at the moment called Dreamwell. Uh, they're from Providence, Rhode Island. And... You know, I just think that they sound like old school Thursday. You know, there's just no mistaking it. But then I spoke to their singer and they said um, that they'd never actually listened to Thursday, so they didn't know how they sounded, but a lot of people seem to be saying that. And I was like, fair play. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you did that completely on your own. Like, yeah. We get that a lot, especially um, JM, JM of all people gets that a lot because they're like, oh, your riff sounds like you know, ex metal core band. You guys have an Azalea Dying tendon. He's like, I've never heard Azalea Dying in my life. <laughs> and uh, they come up to me and they, they say things like, "Oh, the thrash vocals." I'm like, I'm the I'm the metalcore guy, not the thrash guy. And um, but I guess it's it's the mix of everything, right? The mix of all of that stuff with the influences and and your interpretations of it and and everything that happens yeah. kind of makes that full song. Absolutely, and. That is basically, yeah, you summed it up perfectly there. Pretty much everyone within Ugly Yeti has different sets of influences. 
Um, Sod and mine are probably the most similar, but um, we all bring in tons of different variables that the other doesn't necessarily think of. And that's such a great moment when we can kind of find bits and pieces and put them all together to make something, you know, fresh, but still with hints and bits and pieces of what of what we like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's someone dropped in a, a question. Why can't I see that question? Oh, that's from uh, from Zvenga Boys. Nice. But can you sing Ed Sheeran? <laughs> <laughs> I have sung Ed Sheeran once or twice uh, for weddings as a first dance. Uh, I wouldn't choose to do it again. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was I, I can understand why those songs were picked because they are good songs. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, um, dude, it's been it's been an absolute fucking pleasure having you on the show. Uh, we uh, we usually uh, wind down instead of instead of asking what you're gonna do in the future because everybody has the same kind of goals like we talked about. You know, just uh, just to play more shows, to write more music. We uh, we have a tradition around here to say, um, <clears throat> kill the background music. If you had a time machine, and you were oh sexy wink. God damn it. God damn it, Zvanga boys. Right now, okay. Right now. There you go. That was sexy wink redeemed in the middle of my. No, uh, <laughs> she, she wasn't ready. In the middle of my speech, Zvenga boys. Let's let's do it. this again. All right, all right. Let's mute the background music again. If you had a time machine, and you were able to go back in time, meet young Tristan, just about to to get into the scene in Kuwait, uh, just before you uh, you found Lincoln Park, before you fell in love with music, and you were to give wow. young you. Shut up, you guys. And you were to give young you uh, a piece of advice from uh, from the road that you've you from from your journey so far. Uh, tell your younger self something that you've learned along the way. What would that be? Okay. Um, well, let me think. I would say, don't take this place for granted. You know, allow yourself to enjoy being here more, okay? Because you're surrounded by something amazing. And I guarantee you that, you know, 10 or so years down the line, you're going to want nothing more than to be back at your favorite shisha place with your friends, listening to your favorite tunes and talking about who's going to the Jelly Shot show the next day. <laughs> uh, and for God's sake, stop straightening your hair. You look like Gerard Way's Arab cousin. <laughs> Would would young you listen to that? Would young you listen to that? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, thank you so much. Uh, don't thank don't you. take don't take it for granted, you guys. Enjoy every second of it, and uh, and if we've uh, if we've learned anything, uh, it's uh, it's to just just kind of uh, especially since the lockdown and everything that we've been through, just kind of kind of enjoy where you're at. Enjoy where you're at. I went through that phase where I was like, you know what? We need to leave this place. And uh, and I, I went through, you know, I don't know if you've been through it. Everyone in the Gulf has been through it at least once where you're like, the best place to be is not here. And, yeah. and then as, as soon as I left, I was like, yo, I, I kind of had it good. I don't know why I, I did that. So we came back right away. <laughs> that's, that's essentially it. Everybody at least has that feeling once and then it depends on how it manifests its manifests manifests itself when you arrive at your new destination 
and what you do with that as well. And there's no right or wrong path necessarily. I know people who've moved to the UK, gone back to the Gulf for a while and are now, and are now just thinking of stepping back out again and seeing what, you know, what the rest of the world's like. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. It was that yearning to, when I was younger, I was so full of that yearning to leave that I never quite stopped to take a look around and appreciate where I was and, yeah. you know, everything that was happening within that moment. So yeah. yeah, the one piece of advice that I would give younger me is, you know, appreciate this place for what it is because it's part of you and yeah, don't take it for granted. Absolutely. And dude, thank you so much for your time, man. Chat, thank you guys for coming uh, coming down and partying with us, uh, the, for uh, asking all the questions, for Lengo213's massive random Woo! drop of 25 fucking Woo! tier one subs. Um, you guys you guys are the best. Uh, we, we, have, we have a bunch of them. Uh, that's kind of sad and nostalgic. Uh, had a great ending. Young me was an idiot. Bussy says, old me is still an idiot. <laughs> Cragger says, idiots are awesome. <laughs> we're all, uh, we're all, we're all just a bunch of, uh, a bunch of fucking misfits trying to, trying to get along, you guys. Like exactly. I said, if you haven't already join the discord, um, Tristan, it's a, it's a tradition around here to officially end the show. We have to uh, have the, uh, the guest uh, say the words, hit the outro, but I raised you one since there was a sexy wink, uh, towards the end of that. Um, maybe, uh, maybe have a, have a sexy wink, hit the outro combo. Um, but before we get into that, I also want to ask you, we're about to raid Bloodstock Fest after this. What should the tribe yell at Bloodstock once we, once we get in their, uh, get in their chat? Oh, damn. Uh, what should you yell when you run into the chat? Leroy Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins. I have no idea what that is. Do you want to give us any context? <laughs> uh, there's an infamous viral video of this World of Warcraft raid, and they're all sit. They're all sitting there. They're all planning. They're gonna get real specific with it. And this one guy in the party just goes, "All right, let's go, Leroy Jenkins!" and runs right in and fucks up the whole thing for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. And his friends all right. are all like, "Oh God, Leroy, what?" <laughs> All right, you guys, there it is. There it is, Leroy Jenkins. We're going to have to do it. This is the guest's uh, request, the guest's call. Are you guys ready? Um, all right, so uh, so whenever you're ready, uh, sexy wink plus hit the outro uh, at your own pace in your own way, and, uh, and that will uh, officially end the show. Okay. Um, I have never sexy winked before, but this will be interesting. Outro!